there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sneakers and Cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. It is Friday, October 13th. This is episode 36 of the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. We're joined once again by Rocky Garza. It's been a couple of months. You are back. You are better than ever. Of course. I I assume. Kinda. I mean, I was pretty sad about that uh, UT loss to OU. I'm sure Zach was happy. Yeah, it was a, kind of a bad weekend for you overall with, yeah. the, with the Cowboys Sunday night. And... Yeah, I think the UT hurt loss hurt more. Did it? I mean, because I was in Colorado at the time, and I was watching it at a pub, and just sitting there among random UT fans, just I knew <laughs> it was going to happen. I even told them after they hit a field goal, I said, UT's going to mess up, and of course it happened. I was at a – I went to – McIntyre's down here in San Antonio with uh, I was there with Joe DiCarlo and his wife or his soon-to-be wife actually I think they get married tomorrow um, and then Jordan and I and Jordan's parents and so Joe is obviously a Sooners fan and nobody in there was a Sooners fan oh my God. it was just Joe yelling boomer Jeez, Louise. <laughs> I thought we were gonna get jumped it was so bad, especially when they won. I was like, oh, God, I got to get out of here, Joe. Sorry. Yeah, he's lucky y'all got, got there out of safe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Luckily, everyone, I think, was uh, too too mad to be drunk. So I, th- I think we got out of there a little safer than we expected. But anyway, this is number 36. So uh, we start off, obviously, with checking out who number the number episode reminds us of. 36 isn't a great number. Mm-hmm. However, I am remiss that when we went over 34, I didn't mention Big Poppy because I'm an idiot. However, 36, not a great number, but the only person that comes to mind for me is one of the best pitchers of all time is Gaylord Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would say he owns the number, but, you know, that's the that's the best 36 I could think of. I'm honestly blanking out on 36. I mean, I'm, it's funny because I actually know that name, but I didn't ever knew he was 36. I just always... Knew that name because my uh, my uncle was a big baseball fan. And he would talk about him, but I never knew he was thirty six. So yeah. I'm kind of blank. For most of his career, I think it was like twenty seasons of his career. He was, uh, you know, Gaylord Perry, a Hall of Famer, two time Cy Young, five time All Star, ninety uh, all time WAR wins above replacement. It's pretty mm-hmm. damn good. But honestly, thirty six is a tough number. I can't really think of it's a lot of great thirty six number. Honestly, yeah, yeah, you know, one of the less entertaining, least entertaining times we've done this. It's thirty six, not a not a great one. Uh, Shaq was also thirty six with the with the Celtics, but it's not like you. Oh. It's <laughs> his nineteenth and final year of his career. <laughs> that was a tough year. It's not like you think about him when you think of thirty six. I do because I like Shaq, but you know. Yeah. But anyway, a little bit of a lighter show. We got the Cowboys playing on Monday, so we're gonna save that for Monday with me, Don, and Chuck. Uh, Longhorns off this week. At, mm-hmm licking their wounds uh kind of after the loss to OU but still got UTSA tomorrow still got the Lone Star series that starts on Sunday for the ALCS and of course we have uh Wemby who is going to take over the Frostbank Center tonight for the first time in a preseason game in any game uh besides the silver and black scrimmage last week um 
I've just been kind of amazed, uh, as everyone has, and in awestruck. It's like if he, it's kind of getting to the LeBron level though of like if Wemby ties his shoes, we're mm-hmm. gonna or it's gonna lead Sports Center, uh, or it's gonna lead our shows. And so, like, I'm excited to see him tonight. But it's like, guys, you gotta relax. No, yeah, I mean, because all this hype is gonna put unrealistic expectations on him. I mean, we're gonna kind of talk about that more, you know, as we go, but. You're right. You know, this guy sneezed, you know, when he had the best <laughs> sneeze of his life. It's just like, all right, guys, let's just relax. Can you believe how he sneezed? <laughs> it was so revolutionary. I've never seen a 7-5 guy sneeze like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a 7-5 guy sneeze, actually, but that's just that's besides the point. Uh, what do you think you're gonna, we're going to see tonight? I mean, obviously, in the first game, we saw 20 points. It was 18, I think, in the first half. Uh, 20 points in 19 minutes. He had a couple of just amazing uh, highlights, mm-hmm. one of which was like him using his full nine foot wingspan and length to get the ball out and get the steal, and then the dunk on the other side, the up and under J move that he had on Chet Holmgren to to avoid that block. I mean, he is amazing. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Wemby's greatness or how good he is or how amazing he already is as a defender and turning that defense into offense or the athleticism of a seven foot four, however tall he is, person. But it's just like. I need, I need we got to see more yeah no i think you know compared to the first game you saw him just go balls to the walls you know he was going at chet holmgren the whole okc defense itself but i, I can imagine this game he's going to be more of a, a facilitator because i believe um correct me if i'm mistaken shohan and, and kelton should be back so you're going to get a yeah. first look of how he's going to mesh in with it i know it's a preseason game playing the heat so you, you'll probably see the star players out there for a little bit but it's going to be seeing him it's gonna be interesting seeing how Miami defends him. You know, you have he's going against uh, Bam Adebayo, who's a pretty solid defender itself. But I mean, I can see him more as a facilitator tonight, kind of getting his team's open looks. You imagine he's gonna get double teamed a lot. So as long as the team's hitting shots, I mean, it would be a preview of the feature. I'll be interested to see how they uh, defend him because Bam is one of those long, lengthy, mm-hmm. athletic defenders, and that's kind of the guy that everyone says might need to defend Wemby. But I mean. Even Bam is 6'10", 6'11", on a good day. So he's still giving up a few inches, but he's stronger than Wemby is. Um, He is extremely athletic. He's Mm -hmm. great around the rim, blocking shots. So, And he usually, last year, at least during the Heat's um, uh, postseason run, he was the guy that would go out and defend anyone from you know six six above. He would mm-hmm. he would defend Jason Tatum on occasion. He would defend he went and defended Horford and and Brooke Lopez. He defended all the guys that that needed to be defended. So I'm curious. I'm going to be curious to see how kind of someone athletic like Bam takes over and and kind of takes on Wemby. Yeah, and in a sense, for me, I'm predicting this is not going to be really like a super humbling experience for Wemby, but it's going to be kind of a humbling. You know, he's going against a guy who's you know, very talented, not, you know, to, you know, take away from any of the guys in the NBA, obviously, if you're in the NBA, you're talented, but going against an elite defender like Bam, it's going to be really interesting seeing Victor go against him. I mean, he, he went against Chet, who's arguably on his way to becoming, you know, elite defender who's just as tall as him, but Bam's stronger, bigger, you know, shorter than him, but, you know, Bam's more experienced than what Chet is. Yeah, I mean, plus he's still, he's playing against that heat culture. I know we all get mm-hmm. sick of that term. Uh, especially last year during the playoffs, we got sick of the heat culture term because they mm-hmm. just kept winning. But, yeah. you know, as a heat fan, I'm not mad about it. Um, but they're going to be playing. He's going to be playing one of those teams that was a finals appearance last year. I think it's finals appearances in two out of the last three mm-hmm. years, conference finals opponent or appearances in three of the last four. I mean, mm-hmm. one of those constant winners and even, even being in the presence of Jimmy and Bam and 
coach Spo and all those guys, it's like, you're going to start getting some skins on the wall as, as uh, Chuck would like to say. So, yeah, no, of course. And I'm, I'm sure coach Spo has done his homework plenty on Wimby. You know, everyone's seeing Wimby, you see Wimby on sports center every dang second, like you, we had talked about earlier, but it's going to be a real fun game tonight. It is. And it, it it's a preseason game. So yeah. like, I'm not, not investing too heavily in it. One thing I am, excuse me, going to be really looking forward to is seeing who starts and who mm-hmm. comes off the bench. Cause with Keldon back, with uh, Jeremy back, you kind of have your full, full cabinet of weapons there, mm-hmm. and so it's it'll be kind of I'll be kind of curious to see how much Wemby brings the ball up. Is he gonna you know act in that Trey Jones role? Mm-hmm. Are they gonna have Trey starting? Are they gonna have Jeremy at the five? Are they gonna play Jeremy at the five at all? And Wemby maybe moving to the three? How how often are Wemby and Zach Collins gonna play on the floor together with Jeremy? So. Mm-hmm. It'll because Jer- there's been a lot of rumors that Jeremy's going to be the, the bench guy. He's going to he's going to be the guy that gets that second unit ready to roll. Because a lot of times last year he played that point forward or he was the energy guy, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of the roles that are that are designated tonight. No, yeah, and you hit the head on the nail. I mean, I, I believe Coach Pop kind of uh, hinted that you're going to see a lot of lineups. How he mentions like you know the Jokic's, uh, the Nuggets and Jokic. You know they don't have a true really point guard. I understand Jamal is a point guard, but I mean. Jokic is taking the ball up. Like you said, Wimby could be taking the ball up. Shohan could be taking the ball up. You know, it wouldn't be surprising if you don't even see Trey start in the lineup and you have Shohan, you know, Vassell, Wimby, et cetera, et cetera. But it should be really interesting, and that's going to be the talk of the whole uh, season itself. To me, I think it's interesting because if the Spurs really wanted to upgrade at the point guard position, they would have. There's nothing against Trey, but to a lot of people, he's not, you know, a true starting point guard. Hell of a guy, you know. You know, real true energizer off the bench, but is your future likely not? So it's gonna be really interesting to see what they do, as as you mentioned. Ideally, what's your what's your starting five? If you were Pop making that decision, what does the starting five look like? I would probably put Sohan, Vassell, Keldon, uh, Wimby, and Zach Collins. So the one is Sohan. Sohan. Mm-hmm. So Sohan at the one, Vassell at the two, Keldon at the three, mm-hmm. Wemby at the four, and Zach at the five. Yep. It's a lot of versatile, really good defensive team. I understand, that, you know, the knock of it could be if he can't outside shoot. You know, Wimby, yeah. Wimby, you still have to respect his shot. Vassell's only getting better with his shot. There's a lot of rumors that Zach Collins is improving the three-point shot this offseason, season. That's too. what I heard, too. So Yeah, so, I, I mean, that, that would be an interesting lineup. I don't know. The defensive versatility there is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would still tr- start Trey, though, over Jeremy. What my ideal lineup honestly would be mm-hmm. Zach Collins on the bench and him coming off. However, yeah. I think that yours makes more sense in the fact that you need that that guy to come in off the bench and kind of control the offense. Mm-hmm. And that, like starting a, a Zach Collins wouldn't come in and control the offense, you know. Mm-hmm. So having Trey Jones come in and be that kind of second unit facilitator like Manu used to be, and mm-hmm. and then even having him. Later on in the games, you can, it doesn't doesn't mean he can't end the game the final six minutes or anything like that. So that lineup makes sense. I just the, the versatility defensively is would be the really interesting thing there. See, and, and you know, if I really had to put Trey back in, the one guy I would take out is Keldon because I mean Keldon mentioned that he's prepared for any role, and to me, I can see him as a Manu type role mm-hmm. as you're reiterating. But he wouldn't be taking the ball up. The one guy that I'm really looking forward to this season is Malachi. Yeah. You know, you've seen Malachi be super aggressive. A lot of people are getting hype on him. Yeah, Malachi take off the ball with Keldon. You know, you throw in a say a Devontae Dram off the bench also. Doug McDermott off the bench. That's a pretty solid bench lineup. You think about it. They're they're ten deep. Mm-hmm. Like you got the five let's just 
put five starters out there. Wemby, Zach Collins, Devin Vassell, uh, Keldon, and Trey. Let's yep. just do that. Jeremy, Malachi, Julian Champagny, he he came on strong mm-hmm. in, in the summer league. You got Doug McDermott. I mean, you got so many guys that are there. And, and I mean, even the rest of them. Um, Branham, I mean, or what's what's his name? Barlow. Barlow, yeah, Barlow. Barlow played really well in the summer league. I mean, he seems like he's now that kind of back end of the bench kind of guy that can come in and fill some minutes if you need to. Mm -hmm. So they're so deep in like a young, talented team that the sky is the limit, but the floor is also really low. So yeah, and you still got, I believe, Charles Bassey. You know, San Antonio's own. You know, still looking at what Blake Wesley is going to be. You have Jabari Rice. I mean, Spurs are pretty deep, young wise. Not a lot of people realize that, but it's going to take them a while. What do you think of the game on Monday? We didn't have a podcast on Monday. I was off with my uh, in-laws in town, and then Wednesday's obviously talking about high school. So we haven't really talked about the game on Monday. What did you think you saw from them, and what what were like the takeaways from it? Well, I mean, first off, you know, we'll, we'll address the elephant in the room, Wimby. You know, Wimby was super aggressive, and it was really nice to see him, you know, active on defense and, and offense. You know, he saw that one play where he went, took the ball, put his head down, and headbutted Chet. You know, Chet kind of uh, replied to him on Twitter about it, you know, about his move. But you saw him take it to the rim and get an end one on Chet. But I liked Wimby's aggressiveness. The ball was moving pretty well with it. Wimby looked super, uh, way stronger than that one game mm. that he had in the summer league where he was just getting knocked around. He looked kind of just like real you know just uneven so i just think that the ball was really moving well you know they did get the loss but i mean it's preseason so we're not really gonna you know take much about it but i think you know this is a pretty solid team but i still want to see what's gonna look at what shohan and Keldon. yeah one thing that i didn't really not didn't like but i didn't think was too impressive on monday when it just when it comes to women and this is only because i'm a nitpicker and i like to be a wet mm-hmm. blanket on things um is that he, he the agility wasn't really there. I don't think he was expecting um, NBA defenders to be able to stay in front of him so well, mm-hmm. which came up with some good moves where he was able to counter, turn, and and get it to the basket still. But he kind of just like went right hand, head down, right into somebody's chest. Yeah. And I keep going away from the mic, but head <laughs> down, so, right into somebody's chest and got thwarted and then had to either get it out or do a secondary yeah. move or whatever it was. So I think he's going to have to learn that I can't just – you know, dribble with my right hand to the rim and get a dunk like I used to in Euroball. But I'm not doubting that he's going to figure that out, and oh, yeah. probably already has. That's why he came out with that secondary move. Maybe it was setting it up all along. But it just seems, you know, from the outside looking in, that he was trying to get to the rim with his right hand, but they already cut that off, and that's one of the first things they're going to take away. So I also was impressed with his three-point shooting. Like, the mm-hmm. dude's got a stroke, man. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, one interesting thing is we're going to see him experiment a lot this season. Pop kind of just said that they're going to let let him kind of do whatever he wants so they can understand what he's doing. Because Pop doesn't even know what he's going to do, what he's capable of. It's He's barely touching his surface. And if his surface right now where he's at is, you know, generational, as they're saying, just imagine how much better he's going to be. I mean, once he develops his full post moves, you know, learns how to be a better facilitator, like you said, gets more of a better, you know, handle on itself, it's going to be the sky's the limit for this guy. I don't know. The ceiling is the roof, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out, MJ. Um, how, what have you thought so far about how the the cities kind of embraced him? Last week at the scrimmage, uh, they had almost 13,000 people, nearly 13,000 mm-hmm. people in the Frostbank Center for a silver and black scrimmage just to see the kid and all the rest of the guys in their warm-up gear and playing each other like not not even a real game and now you have the defending eastern conference champions coming in here tonight and mm-hmm. it's just like 
the sky's the limit when it comes to how they're embracing and how they're kind of how the city is treating him as one of their own already. Yeah, no, I think it's honestly really beautiful to see what the city's doing itself. I mean, it gives me that type of energy and, and vibes of when Tim Duncan came in, you know, it brought that energy to the city, it put the Spurs on a map, you know, the Spurs are already on a map, but it's bringing that same energy that Wimby is, you know, you're seeing everyone benefit. And to give you a perspective, you know, my little brother just turned nine. Um, and he's getting into basketball and he, he went up to me, um, and they call me Zach at home. So everyone, my name's Rocky, but they call me Zach at home. So he's like, Zach, um, who's this with Why? me? That's my middle name. Oh, okay. So he goes, um, cause it was his birthday recently. He goes, Zach, can you give me a Wimby Jersey? I go, you don't know Wimby. He goes, yeah. He goes, I don't know how to say it, but I go by Wimby. And I was like, really? You want one? He goes, yeah. But it was just nice to see because I got him a Wimby Jersey for his birthday, but He's going to go through what I went through, what my brothers went through, is growing up with a generational superstar and growing up, hopefully, for greatness down the road. Yeah. Um, but just growing up as we all grew up with Tim Duncan, you know, Manu, Tony. But I just think that energy is always going to be there. And, and even if the Spurs are losing, people are going to show up now. You know, you saw last these last couple of seasons, the attendance was way down. Right. And, you know, Spurs were probably losing money that we don't know about. I mean, now it's going to go way back up. But I just hope, you know, it doesn't go too high, too fast because – He's only 19. This guy, you know, yeah, we want him to be the leader in the face of the franchise right away, but like, we got to tone it down. He's not getting a championship this year. You know, we're still probably going to be playing team, maybe, if anything. But, but what if he does? Then it's even better, <laughs> you know? <laughs> even we better. Got, this, we said the sky's the limit. We can't the put a roof is, on it, yeah, man. The this sky is Chapel the limit. Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I just, either way, whatever happens tonight, I mean, like, a, like we said, this is the preseason. He debuts in. 12 days? It's yeah. The, was it the 14th right now? Or 13th? So he debuts on the 20th? Against Luca. Yeah, against Luca. I want to see them go against each other. I'm getting chills, man. I'm getting chills. <laughs> I just I can't wait to see Luca on the I can't wait to see Luca on the court with Kyrie again and just see what yeah. a disaster they were last year together. And the fact that they tanked after getting Kyrie was the funniest thing in the entire world. I don't know about how you feel about Kyrie, just on a uh, a small aside i hate Kyrie. <laughs> i i just hate him as like a person, he's, yeah. well i mean like as a person i don't like him as a player i think he's kind of a selfish player he is, yeah, he is. i just i just don't like him yeah. I, i've never met Kyrie a day in my life i have no reference as to what he is actually like one-on-one -on -one, as an interview as as a person as I can just judge what I see on the court, what I see in the media, what yeah. I see him do on social. He just kind of seems like a douchebag. No, he exactly does. But watching him is just crazy what he yeah, does. Yeah, in a one-on-one -on -one game. Yeah. Well, I mean, just in general, just seeing what he does. I mean, I've seen him firsthand destroy the Spurs, you know, when he dropped, I believe, like 58 in one year. When he was with the Cavs, I believe. I, I, either the Cavs or the Celtics, I forget. I think it was the Celtics, actually. But... As a player, it's just like, oh my god, this, what is this guy doing? But as a person, it's just like, nah, you gotta tone it down. Kyrie is a is a testament as to what one good series and one good year can get you. Mm -hmm. He didn't play any college ball at Duke, pretty much. He got hurt, like I think it was like his third or fourth mm -hmm. game at Duke. It still ended up being one of the top picks. I think it was the, actually the first pick in the draft yeah, by by the Cavs. Then he had he sucks until lebron gets there they finally go on they come back from 3-1 down he's he hits the game winning shot in game seven and then everyone's like oh he's so good and then lebron left again and then he left and then he sucked in brooklyn and then he sucks now he just sucks he sucked in in, in with the celtics yeah. he's just horrible 
like, well, he's, he's horrible as a teammate and he never wins now. Yeah. However, he's a good one-on-one player. Like, I would never want to play him in one-on-one. Oh, 100%. Like, I would get my ass kicked. But still, it's just like, he seems like a douche. Anyway, that was just a quick tangent. <laughs> I didn't. I feel like I needed to get that off my chest. Um, <laughs> let's, get, let's get to some baseball real quick. So, the Rangers and the Astros are going to be playing yet again for this season, this season, but with a lot more on the line, mm-hmm. they're both going to the ALCS. The Rangers are five and zero this postseason, sweeping the Rays, who had the second best record in the AL, and sweeping the Orioles, who had the best record in the AL. RIP to the AL East, by the way. Seven zero is what they they got swept as a whole. Like Toronto didn't win a game, Tampa didn't win a game, the Orioles didn't win a game. So the Rangers red hot right now and might get Max Scherzer back. And then you have the Astros who are just, you know, plodding along as they do, just trying to trying to cap off another championship run with the same group of Mm. idiots that people like or that people don't like for some reason. I don't know. That might have something to do with (laughs) with that. But uh, I just the anticipation of this series is killing me already. I wanted to get to Sunday. I do too. I mean, as I kind of told you in the in the before we started, I'm more of a guy that watches baseball more intensely once October hits. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that. I just don't have time to watch the whole season. You don't want to watch 162 games? No, I mean, but uh, as as a disclosure to all everyone listening, I don't have a team. I le- I just enjoy watching baseball. Um, but if you had to ask me my prediction, I got Astros in seven. I so when when Chuck and I did the. Uh, uh, our predictions for the postseason. Mm-hmm. I had the Astros going to the World Series, and I don't remember if I had them winning the World Series. I had them against the Braves, though, so obviously I was wrong. Yeah. I was halfway wrong already. But I have. I think that the Astros are going to prove their medal once again. I yes, mean, they're nine and thirteen or nine four their last thirteen. They're nine and four against the Rangers in mm-hmm. their last thirteen games. The last series that they had against the Rangers, they might as well have just curb stomped them outside and just called it a day. They, mm-hmm. I think they scored like 13, 14, and 12 or something like that in a three-game series. They went for like 42 runs in three games. It was something it was just bonkers. insane. And that's what that's the lasting image in my head is the Astros proving their championship ability, proving that they are – that championship team they have the prestige they have the experience they Mm -hmm. have that they have that intangible quality that the rangers frankly don't have the and the rangers don't have anybody really on their team that has that outside of nathan uvaldi or nathan uvaldi nathan uvaldi i do that all the time (laughs) nathan uvaldi um i mean nasty nate won won the red sox uh, a championship so Mm -hmm. i'm never gonna dislike nathan but max scherzer We'll see what he has. He he could be a big boost for them. Their bullpen is one of the worst in the entire yep. league. That's what I heard. And mind you, they were really good against the Orioles. The Orioles didn't have any experience either, though. And the Rangers are red hot right now. They are scalding hot right now. And they have a deep lineup that can hit from anywhere. Any position can get you a homer. Any position can get you a run. Any position can steal a base. But it's their pitching that's really going to be questionable. If Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Uvalde mm-hmm. pitch like they did in the in the DS, they win. Easy. Yeah, no, if Max Scherzer sure. comes back, gives them five solid innings, and maybe can give them another start in game six, fine. They win. For sure. But I, I just don't know if they can. 
No, and I wouldn't be surprised if they if they take on game one and, you know, the Astros kind of get like a wake-up call. But like you said, the Astros have been here. They know what, what it's like. They know what it takes. And the Rangers are coming in. You know, and I saw a thing on Twitter that this game matchup is bigger than what next year's matchup is going to be. It was A&M Texas. You know, it has more historical, you know, just significance to it. It's a bigger matchup, you know, excitement-wise. And I have to agree. I mean, you, it's going to be a big game for them. It's a lone star showdown. But I'm going to go Astros and Sevens, though. I'm going to say Astros in six. I'm going to say Astros in six. I think, um, I just think that the, the experience of them is too much. Altu yeah. Between Altuve, between Jordan Alvarez, who's just smacking the cover off the ball right now. Mm -hmm. Dude's just unleashing. Jeremy Pena and, and Justin Verlander and all, just all the experience that they have from Valdez gets better in the postseason. Um, uh, who was it? Um, I can't remember. Javier or Christian Javier. He gets better in the postseason as well. Jose Arquiti, excuse me, mm -hmm. gets better in the postseason. He did uh, in the series against the Twins. Presley is one of the best closers in the game, and he keeps proving it over and over. He did this last year. I At this point, I think it's a collision course for a repeat of last year mm -hmm. between the Astros and the Phillies. No, exactly. And, you know, kind of the same with baseball. I wanted to bring up your D-backs. You know, how surprised were you them beating the Dodgers? All right. So everyone who listens knows I'm a Red Sox fan, but I lived in Phoenix for a couple of years. I have a lot of friends in Phoenix. I have a couple of friends who works for the, work for the D-backs. So I root for them. They're kind of my NL team. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. I love them, man. What a lovable group of idiots. Like, yeah. Tori Lavello, former Red Sox uh Pitching coach, I believe, or, or hitting coach. Um, I loved Tory when he was with the Sox, and I love him now with the D-backs. I, I was when I was in school, Tory was still there, and uh, so we we covered uh, spring training uh, for the D-backs. And Tory's just one of the nicest guys. Like mm -hmm. he 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 would give you the shirt off his back, and all he wants to do is win, and he wants to see his guys be successful. And I, I honestly, hats off to the D-backs organization. For sticking with him because they had a couple of lean years there mm -hmm. and they could have easily gotten rid of Tory and said you know what you're not our manager we're going to go in a different direction but they stuck with him and because they stuck with him he stuck with them and invested his time his effort his energy everything into that lineup into that bullpen into that rotation and you see it paying off now it's a group that just believes in each other mm -hmm. and between Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte who they easily could have gotten rid of at the trade deadline Cattell Marte is really good they could have gotten rid of him, could have gotten rid of Nick, Nick Ahmed. They could have gotten rid of Zach Gallon and just sold and tried to, you know, try to sell high on all their guys. They didn't do it. And it, it's just, it's really great to see that they knocked off the Dodgers. Plus, screw all of my, my friends back in, <laughs> in uh, Southern California who are Dodgers fans. Justin, Brian, I'm talking to you. Uh, they, it was, it was just really, really great to see the D-backs do that. Even if they lose to the Phillies, which I expect them to, I yeah. mean, the Phillies are a wagon and, uh, but seeing the D-backs do that was really, really impressive and really cool to see. Yeah, no, I was super surprised by it. And I saw what Mookie said, you know, he sounded pretty upset, but just goes to show you, man, you can't, you know, buy championships like the Dodgers and Yankees do half the time, you know, but I was really proud of the D-backs for what they did. It's also not on the, on the rundown, but since we are mentioning the Dodgers, the only World Series they won was the COVID-shortened season. Mm -hmm. They're historically a great franchise. Um, and with Dave Ro under Dave Roberts, who is also a Red Sox uh, guy, he's made the steal in the in Game 4 that helped them come back against the Yankees in 3 4 Or, excuse me, 4 um, Sorry, Mike McCarthy just said that he expects uh, 
Kevontae Turpin to practice today. Um, I, I think that the Dodgers are probably the most disappointing franchise in sports as relative to their expectations. Like, you put an asterisk next to that championship. I do, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, a championship's a championship unless it's in a COVID-shortened season when you take a 162-game season down to 60 games and you don't really have to find out who the best team is and you can get hot yeah. for two months and then you're, there you go, you're a champion. So the only championship they've won since 1985, 87, 85, um, anyway, is almost 30 years, is the COVID-shortened season. And... I just think that the Dodgers are one of the most disappointing teams in baseball and probably in all of sports. Not the Cowboys? Well, or the hand in hand? One of. One, I, one, one, one of. of. Okay. The Cowboys are historically disappointing too, but the Cowboys aren't winning. The Cowboys aren't getting to like ALCSs and Super Bowls every yeah. year. Uh, or excuse me, the, they're not getting to championship games and Super Bowls every year. Mm-hmm. The thing with the Cowboys is that we are expecting them to get to the the championship game and they never do or we're expecting them to get to the Super Bowl and they never do. Yeah. The thing with the Dodgers is that they get there and they just can't freaking win. Yeah, they, yeah. And they it's it'd be like the Cowboys going 14 and 2 or 14 and 3 in a given season and then losing in the first round in the in like a wild card round. That, yeah. that's what it would be like. Like can you imagine if this team ends up running the table they're three and two right now. They lose one more game to whoever. Let's say they lose to the Chargers and then they run the table the rest of the way and they lose in the first round of the playoffs. The sky would fall mm-hmm. on Cowboys Nation. That's what it's like being a Dodgers fan mm-hmm. for the last five, six years because they run the table. They're the most expensive team. They have a great farm system. They have, they're have they a well-run organization. And then the players crap themselves when they get to the postseason especially one of the best pitchers of our generation yep. in clayton kershaw no it's yeah. unbelievable yeah i have to agree i mean yeah you got a, you got valid points there i mean <laughs> and i love mookie like i'm so sad that the red sox traded mookie and all that stuff yeah. but damn dude like that what a disappointing franchise that is to get swept by your division rival in the division series when you won 16 more games than them in the regular season 16 I think the Dodgers won 100 games even. The Diamondbacks have 84. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That's why you love October baseball, man. Gotta love October baseball. Also, I saw coming in, if the Rangers do get to the World Series, they will have home field advantage. And they are the lowest seed, and they were the lowest seed in the AL. Mm-hmm. So they have a better record than um, they have a better record than the D-backs. So they'll get it over the D-backs. And if the Phillies get there and the Rangers get there, the Rangers would get home field, even though they have the same record, because they played each other in the regular season in the first series of the season. Oh, really? Gotcha. So the Rangers would get home field advantage because of a because of three games that they won mm-hmm. six months ago. I love baseball. <laughs> yeah, no, you have to. You have to love it. I mean, I got to get more into it. I guess I got to watch more. How can you not be romantic about baseball? <laughs> All right, let's get to UTSA UAB. Um, UTSA playing their first ever AAC home game in the Alamo Dome tomorrow night, seven o'clock against the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Uh, they played pretty well against Temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Frank played a lot better. I was happy that Frank was able to get out there and play three threw for three thirty eight and three touchdowns. Really, really worried about their offensive line, though. Yeah, no. it is a mash unit up there. No, exactly, and you, and you worry about that, and you factor in Frank's health. I mean, you're just asking for Frank to, you know, 
risk getting another injury, you know, knock on wood. But I mean, you do really got to protect Frank. He can only do so much. He has only so much time to get rid of the ball. You know, and if you have no offensive line, it's going to be very bad for the conference. Yeah, I mean, and this is a matchup that we see almost every year because these two guys were in Conference USA together, mm -hmm. and but it's always a great match. It's always a great yes. game. Yes. Like last two years, last year was double overtime. The run, the runners ended up winning 44-38. Two years ago it was uh, in, I think this was at the Alamo Dome. It was 34-31. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just play great games every single year and i don't know how it's going to go now because uab is a different team with trent dilfer mm -hmm. uh being the coach now so i don't know how this one's going to go i really don't i think it's gonna be a close game i mean you have san antonio's own jacob zeno you know going against utsa so he's, he's coming in for a homecoming in a sense but i mean it's gonna be a real close game they're both you know pretty excited for the first conference you know or second conference game excuse me but i'm sure you know utsa is excited for their first conference game at home in the aac um, hopefully it gets packed as, you know, the games in the past, but I mean, it may be, maybe not. It is UAB. You're not playing an exciting team like in the past. How they play it, the It's also the Hispanic Heritage game. So, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, th I think that I hope, I hope it gets packed. I think they'll have a good 30, 35,000 people there. It's a night game on a Saturday night. Like that it's prime mm -hmm. time for everybody. It's not like it's at noon or anything like that. Like mm -hmm. there might be some drunk ass fans there. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I used to go to the seven o'clock games. Very tough, dude. People gonna be sloshed by seven o'clock. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, those games are very uh, murky for me when I when I think about. Yeah, you that. remember any of those? Uh, somewhat. I mean, yeah, <laughs> college is a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like two weeks, two weekends ago? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy is that this game. I just looked at the spread. I would have put this spread at like two and a half for the, yeah. for UTSA. They're favored by almost ten. Damn. They've heard by nine and a half points in this game. That surprised me a lot. I mean, Jeff Taylor has those boys ready. I, I feel like, you know, they're they're turning a little bit of a corner. You know, they did have some hiccups along the way before they started conference play. But, I mean, it's Trailer and, yet, and, you know, I guess Vegas knows what Trailer's known to do, how historically good they are in conference. So, I'm not too surprised, but I would probably would have had it in the middle, around five. You know, I didn't think it would be that high necessarily. Yeah, I mean, they have a tough schedule coming up too. They got UAB this week, then Florida Atlantic. I expect them to win both of those games. Yeah. I, I do expect them to win this weekend against UAB. Mm -hmm. First of all, Trent Dilfer is a boob. Like, <laughs> what? Did you see him a couple of weeks ago chewing the head off of his coaches yeah. for, for a decision that they made? You're an idiot if you do that on the sideline, out in the public, out in the open to your assistant coaches yeah you're just annihilating them freaking out on the sideline there is no reason in on god's green earth to do that to it's to anybody the opposing coaches to your coaches to your players to their players to the referees you have zero reason mm -hmm. to do that and to go off on national tv and and, and just annihilate people for no reason like mm -hmm. you're you're an idiot you're a boob i hope you lose every game that's in front of you like what a moron no i have to agree i mean it gives us a bad perception of what you know the public's going to see of how you know he treats his coaches and how he treats them and you i imagine the players see that too and so those players are going to lose some respect for coach dilfer itself and maybe even their position coaches itself you know they see dilfer not respecting him so why should i respect them as well exactly i mean if a first year head coach you're coming from the he was coming from the high school ranks like yeah he was yeah. you're just you look like a freaking idiot man he, he needs to go back to espn and do deal for dimes he, he needs to go to like a meditation session or something <laughs> like calm down um 
the remaining schedule for UTSA right now, obviously they're two and three. Uh, they got UAB tomorrow. I think we both think they win that game. I don't yeah. think I don't think they cover. I think it's going to be a close game. It's always historically. It's close always game. close. It's going to be somehow close. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, then they go to Florida Atlantic, which I. Th- think they'll win they should win they Florida Atlanta lost their starting uh, quarterback former Texas quarterback Casey Thompson yeah East Carolina at home probably a win I would guess but mm-hmm. you know you never know North Texas is always a tough match those North Texas games man it, 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 just look at Twitter I'm sure you've seen it UTSA North Texas Twitter when it's, when it's the week it's always Dude, it's tough wild match. it's wild I think they Honestly, I think they run the table until November 24th. They play Tulane. Yeah, that's going to be a tough game. But that North Texas, North Texas game is dangerous. But UTSA likely wants to get revenge because they were the ones that, that gave UTSA their first loss last year. It was a horrible game in the rain. So There's a couple of trap games on there. I think that there's going to be a lot of close games, but there always is with UTSA. Like yeah. UTSA is just like, you know, how close can we make this without losing the game? That's, that's yeah. just kind of their style. They stress me out more than UT. <laughs> <laughs> stress you out more than UT? You mean the team that lost last week? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, was the, what was the Garza household like on that day? Very disappointed. I mean, my dad's kind of more of a casual UT fan, but I mean... He was like, he texted me right away. He was like, I'm so sorry. And I was just like, <laughs> dot, 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 dot. And I was like, I'm going to be boarding my flight very sad. But I saw A&M lose to Alabama, so I was very happy. So, so you it, guys just root against A&M? As oh, Longhorn I hate fan? A&M. I really, my mom likes it, but she just likes the color maroon. And she likes wearing A&M stuff just to make me mad. And so, but I love. That's lo- the worst. Yeah, and so, but I, I mean, I love her, but. Uh, I, um, I, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I mean, she's okay sometimes. No, I'm kidding. But um, no, he just texted me, I'm so sorry. And then my brother was the one clowning me on the plane. He's like, remember when UT lost? And I was like, just be quiet, man. Hey, so so speaking of A&M, tomorrow against uh, Tennessee. That's an L. That's an L. That's an L. That's an, I, I, will, I will bet money that's an L. I, I, think, I think A&M wins that game. No, that's an L. They're playing in Knoxville. That's an L. I think they're playing in Knoxville. Yeah, but Tennessee's not that good. A&M, has, A&M just messes up. They shoot themselves in the foot just like UT all the time. I mean, Max Johnson's not a bad quarterback, but, I mean, it, it's going to come down to the defense. Tennessee is very disappointed this season. They were a super hyped-up playoff. Joe Milton is a Heisman favorite or candidate, but they was disappointed. But it's, it's just Tennessee, man. I, I mean, Tennessee's favorite, I think, by three. Yeah, three. Yeah, so, I mean, it's SEC, though. And, and three, the over-under, I think, is about 55. Five. Yeah, I, I think the A and M could pull off that upset. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I knew they weren't going to be Bama. I mean, I, I, thought, I thought they were going to be Bama. Should have won by way more. If if A and M had Connor Wegman, they would have won that game. Uh, yeah, I can attest to that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and if and if Jimbo Fisher doesn't get his head out of, or gets his head out of his ass and goes for it on fourth and one from your yeah. one yard line, yeah, maybe maybe they win that game. See the thing that they at least cover. No, the thing that irritated me, though, was A&M fans, after UT had won, they were like, this is the worst Alabama team, this is not. And I understand Alabama, you know, their quarterback situation still kind of looks shaky, but I was like, why would they look bad? I do not feel bad for Alabama, who has a plethora of five stars. You have the best coach ever, arguably. It's like, no, like, they still have a solid defense, and it showed against A&M. Yeah, I mean, I think we're in for another good weekend of college football. I mean... Longhorns are licking their wounds a little bit. They're going to yeah. come back stronger next next week. So, I still think that UT is going to be is on a collision course for uh, Oklahoma rematch in the Big yes. Twelve title game. A and M needs to win this to even have a chance at winning the at winning the West because they still need um, mm-hmm. they still need Bama to slip up one more time. 
but I think A&M wins at Tennessee. I think UTSA wins at UAB, and I think that the Astros win uh, their series in six, I, even though I think the Rangers win game one. So who are you openly rooting for, though, on Sunday? Are you rooting on for Sunday? Rangers or Astros? Who's going to make you happier? <laughs> Honestly, as a Fox affiliate here, I'm rooting for a seven-game series. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> the more games there are, the more games we get to go to, the more games we get to cover. Yes. I'm happy either way. And and the best part about all of it is that it, it, it uh, guarantees that we have a Texas team in the World Series, mm-hmm. which means that Zach and Jack are going to be traveling to that, and I'll be covering here, and it'll be it'll be just like a fun month. October baseball as a sports caster, as a sports broadcaster, mm-hmm. and, and as a sports reporter and anchor, it's always better when some of your teams are in are in it because then you get to talk about it more. Like I'm not gonna here in San Antonio, I'm not going to talk about a Phillies, I don't know, Red Sox World Series, yeah. just to pull two names out of a hat. Um, or the Phillies Rays, if it was the Rays, like I, we're not going to talk about that very much. We're going to show thirty seconds of highlights and go. But now at least we get to go more in depth. We get to we get to pull Bochy sound and Josh Young, who's the San Antonio kid yeah. on on the Rangers. We get to follow him around, talk to his parents, Mary and Jeff, all the time. We get to talk to Josh. Like it's just more fun that way. Yeah. When you have somebody co- to cover, so. But, Rocky, thank you for stepping in today. Of course. Pinch pinch hitting for us. Knocked it out of the park. Of course. At least, at least a two-run double. Yeah, at least. You know, I'll, I'll be humble. Two-run double. <laughs> two-run double. All right, cool. I'll, I'll, we'll knock you in next time. Uh, that's all we got for you today. What a weekend we got going for Texas sports, as always, in October. Love October. Baseball, basketball, football, college football. Hockey just got started. Not a big hockey guy, but, you Not know. Either, no. I'm, I just know that my sharks suck. Uh, Don Chuck and I will be back on Monday to recap the weekend preview the Cowboys Monday night football game for you with Kellen Moore against the Chargers you're not going to be here on Monday who wins Cowboys barely really I yeah I mean you're playing an arguably way better quarterback than the way you just saw in Brock Purdy I mean Kellen Moore is coming out for revenge but I think Cowboys pull it back and everyone gets on the hype train again and then after the next two games there's a goal (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think uh if the I'm I mean just to be honest I'm on the Chargers plus two so I think it's going to be either a Chargers win or it's a two point win or it's a less than two is all I'm hoping Austin for. Austin Eckler comes back, but yay my fantasy hey, team. Auckland, Austin Eckler for most of my fantasy team. I think I got him on three of them, so I'm on way too many fantasy teams. Same. Uh, remember, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Please download, rate, review, subscribe, give us some feedback. We will see you right back here on Monday. Well, he won't, but I will. I'll see you right back here. On, I mean, you can come if you want. I'll, I'll step in. All right. <laughs> see you back here on Monday on Sneakers Cleats Podcast. Everyone have a good weekend and go Dubs.